Yes. So, Thomas, why don't you come and read that wee bit for us? Okay. Uh, 1 John 4, verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. Amazing. Thank you. So I've entitled this talk, His Heart, Our House. Do you like it? <laughs> you don't know yet. <laughs> you can agree with me. But I've also had a wee look. I don't know what Bible you use at home. Um, you might use the NIV. You might use the Good News. There's very, various um, sort of types of Bibles, versions of Bibles, um, and they have different ways of putting it. And I, I quite like um, the Message Bible. I don't know if anyone else likes the Message Bible. Sometimes it's quite good to look at a couple of different versions of how a story is read. It kind of paints a different picture, if you like. And um, in the Message version, it says in verse 16, I won't read the whole bit, but just verse 16 says, when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free on judgment day. And I quite like that picture. It kind of brought it alive to me. And that's where I got the idea of his heart, our house. So one of the things I love to do in, in life is make a house a home. Uh, started from a wee girl. A lot of wee girls are like this. They have dolls' houses. And uh, then I had my own room. I didn't have to share with my brothers. So I got to decorate my room. I must have been about 15 or 16. I decorated my room. And I used to love that kind of thing, dreaming about where I would put everything. And it was the smallest room you've ever seen. But I took a lot of thought over this room. And uh, I remember when we viewed the house that we live in today, uh, we went to see it. My friend had put it on Facebook, actually. It was only on Gumtree. It hadn't even made it to HSPC or whatever you call it. But it was owned by a lovely family. The parents were both PE teachers. And uh, we pulled up. And even as we pulled up to the house, I knew it would probably be the house for us. Do you ever get that? You just know it's going to be the right one. It's going to be the one for us. We're going to love it. I just know it. 
And we did, and that was great. And so we went in and we had a look around and they showed us the rooms and I was already thinking, right, okay, will the couch fit in here? That could go there. And they showed us the, the bedrooms and I thought, right, that's great. There's two bedrooms the same size so the boys won't argue when they get older. Perfect, big tick. And uh, they had a wee spare room. We could maybe make that into a study or something. That could work. So it was ticking all the boxes. And then time went a couple of days went by, actually, we put in an offer, the offer was accepted, and we were told we were getting the house. Amazing. But then we had to get the key. So um, we got the key, that was great. The money had been exchanged, so you have to wait until the exchange on the day. It's all a wee bit nerve-wracking, isn't it, um, in Scotland. And then you get the key from the solicitor, and you can gain access to the house. Unfortunately, people we were buying it from had some problems gaining access to the house they were buying. Um, so we were moving in the front door. A lot of you remember this because you were helping us. And they were moving out the back door. So <laughs> we were like, bye, lovely to meet you. And they're hoovering literally while we're bringing stuff in. So it was, it was lots of fun and games. Um, but yes, and now we're wanting to knock down walls. Poor Thomas, I don't give him a break. But yeah, we got gain access to the house. We unloaded our stuff from storage. It had been in a container at the Longman for a wee while. We got out all our winter woolies because we'd stayed at my mum and dad's a lot longer than we thought. So we were still in summer gear in December. But we got all our winter jumpers out and we moved in and it was great. And we are really blessed. But if you imagine this morning, if our hearts and if our lives are like a house, we have a door, we have windows, you can put all your stuff in there. You can put people in there. Everyone that you love, everyone that has a part to play in your life, everyone that you regard, you put in that house. And it has rooms, it has windows. You can make it how you look. It can have a door. It might have a lock on the door. You might need to get a key from someone. I remember my friend, she moved to Stornoway and her husband was in the police. So they had to be posted to Stornoway uh, from Glasgow, which is a big change. And they had to, she phoned me and said, it's amazing, but the house doesn't have a key. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's all rusted up. I said, what do you mean it's rusted up? Must have a key, how do you get in? She said, it just left open. That's how they live up there. They just come in and out and, and neighbours come in and out. And, but she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Um, but she had to make that decision. Was she going to be the mainlander who locked the house? Or was she not? <laughs> but she loved it. And she made lots of friends. And they would pop in and out for cups of tea. And she got really used to that way of life. But for us, that would be quite funny over here, wouldn't it? You see, it's a bit like that with God. If our house is like a God. He says in Revelations 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So we need to open our hearts to God. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus laid everything on himself. So all of that stuff, all of our past, all of our present, all of our future, God laid that on him disappointments, failures. He's enough for it all. We're never too far, too gone, too lost, too broken for Jesus. So Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on a cruel cross. He was buried in a tomb and he was raised on the Thursday so that we can live also with Jesus through him. And it's called atonement. So that's at one with God. Just means that we can be back in friendship with God, back in communion with God. 
And sometimes we put little crosses, don't we, at the end of things. We um, put little crosses at the end of text. Kiss, kiss, kiss. It might just say, you know, we care about you. We love you. Um, we're thinking of you. And that's the same, you know, God's ultimate message of love for us was the cross. His cross was the ultimate sign of love for us. It also speaks about fear in the first part. In verse 4, it says, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And as I look out at our church that we're getting to know, we know that some of you are facing real battles, real struggles, coming out of uh, real seasons of that, and are just in that season just now. And you know exactly how that feels. But we are to take heart. It speaks about fear in this passage. And we sung about it this morning as well. If we have fear, does that mean we're not called to do that thing? No, it doesn't. But God's with us. His love is with us. And we need not fear. Because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. I love that. So we're to use the house. We're not just to open the door. And I wonder how our houses are looking this morning. I don't mean where we live. But I wonder in your heart... I mean, if you came into our house and you didn't know us and we weren't there, you would seem work out we had young children and it wouldn't take you very long. You wouldn't even need to see them to know they're there. There are toys, there's storage, you might find a potty or something that the children have left, marks or fingerprints. Magic erasers are amazing if you ever get drawn on the walls, by the way. Uh, we love a magic eraser in our house. We need to use them quite frequently. But uh, yes, you would... You wouldn't even have to see the children to know they were there. And similarly, like, it should be like that with us and love. To know that God lives in us, we should be loving out of that place. We don't see God. It says you don't see God, but you know that he lives there. And he's not asking us to change. He knows us so well. God loves us. We are the children of God. He loves us and knows everything about us. So I'm not asking you to go into work tomorrow and start shouting, God loves you. God knows you so well, but he wants you to love. He wants you to be obedient to the people right in front of your nose that are already there. Because when we do that, when we live those lives, the light comes on in our house and it shines out to a dark world, out of the windows. People see something different. And maybe you're frustrated with rooms in your house that you don't use when we use the house. You might have spare rooms and you might have spare rooms in your heart and be looking at them as well. I remember we lived in Ellen. Before we lived in Inverness, we lived in um, a little suburb in Aberdeen and it was called Ellen. And we bought a three-bed semi-detached house. And one of the rooms I decided to make into a pretty feminine spare room. I don't know why, but I'd taken it upon myself to start doing this project and making it everything girly, fairy lights, you know, the lot. Pom-poms at one stage, remember that? It was really, really girly. <laughs> but I was praying at the same time, was it? And I felt God had asked me to do that, and I didn't know why. And it seemed a bit ridiculous. And I remember looking out the window and praying uh, to God about things. And he just dropped this name into my head. And I'll call her Polly for the sake of the story, um, because she's a real person. And I haven't asked her yet. But we'll say Polly. So this, this name dropped into my head. And I thought, oh, lovely. Maybe we'll have a wee girl and we'll call her Polly and she'll live in this room and that'll be lovely. But no, we didn't have a wee girl called Polly, as you know. 
Um, but at that time, I'd signed up. The church was running what was called a DNA course. It was a course for pe- people who were really struggling with some stuff in life, um, eating disorders in particular. And I'd signed up to be on that team. So I went along that week to that team, and they told me that um, I was to look after a group. We were all assigned kind of a group to pray for and to minister to and just to journey a wee bit with. And of course, Polly was in that group. And alongside that, we had signed up for a scheme called Adopt a Student. The student pastor had recently had an idea that when you're a student, sometimes, you know, you're away from home, aren't you? Um, You don't get the meals maybe that you're used to, or you don't get the family, the environment that you're used to. And they started this great project, or great idea, where you could adopt a student. And it just meant you would have them round now and again, they might stay over, you might um, just spend a bit of time with them when they need it. So we were assigned Polly. So Polly used to come round and stay in that room frequently and we would pray together and we would unpack stuff. And she um, went on a bit of a journey. She sat for a long time just at the feet of Jesus. That was all she could do. Um, But now we know her. She um, is married. She's thriving. She's teaching. She's now expecting her baby and we walked to visit her recently. And it is such a joy to see what God did with that wee room. And it's amazing. It's the same for us in our hearts. There might be spaces in our hearts where God just wants us to give a little bit away to someone else. And while this is all happening, at the same time, we were going through a bit of a difficult season as well. So we were longing for a baby. I'd always wanted to be a mum. We wanted to be parents. We'd been married for quite a number of years. Um, And we'd moved out to Ellen. So we had this house and we longed for a baby. But two years passed or longer and nothing was happening. No sign of a baby. And I remember we had this little room. And I had it in my head that this was going to be the nursery. I had it all planned out. How it would look. Where everything would go. And I would sit in there. And it was Thomas's office. We used it as an office for a time. And uh, I wasn't happy about that. I just can't imagine. So I wrestled, I didn't tell Thomas, but I wrestled with God for it. For day in, day out, day in, I banged on the door of heaven until we got that good news. And I'll never forget it. And we got to use that nursery. I got to bring it to life. And we used it for two boys, not just one. (laughs) See, when we let God in, he uses every part of our lives. Every nook, every cranny, every small room. Nothing goes to waste with Jesus. I wonder if there's parts of our hearts where we feel unfulfilled, empty. Let's give it to Jesus. Maybe we need to bang on the doors of heaven. We always give chance for prayer at the end. And we'd love to stand and pray with you if you're going through a season a bit like that. So we also need to declutter the house from time to time, don't we? Sometimes looking after a house feels like a full-time job. It does for us anyway. There's constantly things. And I've recently just done a big decluttering, throwing out things that have been lying around for far too long, and I don't know why we've held on to them. I don't know where all the rubbish comes from in our house, but it is ridiculous. But it feels good once you have a good old clear out. And it's the same in our hearts, spiritually. God enters, when he enters our lives, he loves us so much, but he doesn't just leave us like that. Max Lucado says, God loves us just the way we are, but he refuses to leave us that way. That's amazing, isn't it? He loves us. He says, come to me, come as you are, 
but he doesn't just leave us. He begins to work on us. He begins to declutter. He begins to shine light on areas of our lives where there's stuff that's been just lying there for too long. And it needs thrown away. And if we keep it there, we'll be like the hoarders. Have you seen the hoarder programs where they, they've got so much stuff, they can barely open the door. They're like, hello, sorry, I would invite you in, but I've just got too much stuff. And they're like, where's the tin opener? I really want beans on toast. I can't even find anything. There's so much stuff in here. It's ridiculous. God doesn't want our hearts to be like that. He wants us to be living in freedom to be coming to him regularly, letting him look at us, let us review our hearts, bringing our hearts, bringing everything to him, letting him shine light on the places that maybe we want to forget about and ignore for a wee while. So I am the youngest of two brothers. I've got two brothers. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I've got two big brothers. And uh, the oldest is called John, and the middle one's called David. Now, David got married last year, which was wonderful. A lovely wife um, from Northern Ireland. We had a wonderful day, and they're coming up for a year married now. He was the last of the three of us to get married, so it was great rejoicing in our house. And, uh, but mum and dad, they live in a house now that we didn't grow up in. So we grew up in Skorgui, and then when we all left home, they decided to get a bigger house, which makes sense, doesn't it? But that's how it went with us. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I had moved out at 17, so I didn't have anything in the house, really. I think my wedding dress may be still there or something, a Moses basket, but not very much. John, there is no trace of John. John's in England. He has gone. He is very much away. So nothing is there that, that he needs to get hold of. But David, oh, no. He has so much stuff. So growing up, he is a boy who is into everything, loves everything, is kind of good at everything as well. So he had golf clubs, he had a bike, he had a snowboard, he had skis, you name it, he had it. And he loved traveling. So he kept everything from his traveling he, and he loves gigs. So he keeps all the t-shirt from gigs. And he just loves all of these things because they might come in handy. He also... So I, we were staying in this room because we moved back to Inverness, pretty much homeless, moved in with my mum and dad. And I was like, man, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Why have he got all this stuff? Now, David is a bit of a golden boy. Mum's golden boy. So I knew that she didn't have it in her to face him. I knew she didn't have the strength. So I said, right, that's it. This Christmas, when Shannon's here, because he won't make a fuss when Shannon's here, I am going to approach him and speak to him about this room. And together, I'm going to help him declutter. It's a skill I have, Mum. I'm not afraid to use it. So <laughs> that was it. I warned him as well. I pre-warned him so he knew that this was going to happen. So the, the time came, didn't it? And I was like, right, David, come on, the time's come. So we <laughs> went up to his room and we dug out everything from the back of this wardrobe and it was one of the funniest days ever. It was one of the funniest moments. He had an ice cream tub full of every ski pass that he had been on, I think. And he was looking at me, he said to me, you know, a few months ago I found this and I thought, it might come in handy one day. So I kept it. But then when he was looking me straight in the eye, knowing that he wasn't getting away with it, he said, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Why have I kept hold of all of this stuff? He also had acquired all of Granny's war memorials. So he had, like, things in there I couldn't even bear to tell you. It was ridiculous. And what a laugh. VHS? Snowboarding video? Anyway. So, anyway, I diverse. But maybe, in a serious note, we need to have a declutter moment with Jesus. Perhaps you've held on to too much stuff for too long. 
past disappointments, failures, relationship breakdowns, feelings of not liking what we see, so we just close the door. You can go anywhere, God, in the house, but just not in that room. Close the door. I don't want you to see that. It's too dark. It's too painful. I don't want you to look there. Let's just shut it out. But I urge you this morning to open that door, to begin the process of just letting a chink of light into that space to see what God can do with that tiny bit of light. Make do a 60-minute makeover. Remember that program? Love that show. We feel so much better. We feel free. But also, we are free then to love others. The rubbish in our hearts, it stops us. It restricts us then from giving out. And if we look at the Bible again in verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they can't, they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen, have not seen. What? Whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have seen. So we are to love the people that we see. And it's not about them being lovable. It's not about everybody being easy to love, but it's about us and our hearts being loving. And I'm not just talking about fuzzy, cuddly kind of love. I'm talking about a love that prefers one another, a love that corrects one another, a love that is expectant for one another and believing for one another and hoping in one another, not always thinking the worst of people or overthinking of people. Or what, what do they mean by that? Was it a negative thing? Was it a negative view they had? I wonder how we speak about people when they're not in the room. The Bible is clear. We cannot love God but harbor hatred for someone else. And if this is the case, then something needs to change. I wonder if we can pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you came to earth because of love. And Lord, we just want to let you into every part of our hearts. Lord, would you come and switch the lights on? Would you come and have a look? Would you help us to open the door when it's hard and it's painful? You know what it feels like to be there. Would you come alongside us? Would you pour in your love to us? Would you surface things that you want us to see and call out for all of us, God? Amen. So we open the house, we use the house, and we declutter the house, and then we live in the house. So, you know what it's like sometimes if you've been away for a weekend or on holiday, perhaps, you've been away for, a, you've had a lovely time and you come back to your house and it's, uh, we're maybe the only ones that do this, but maybe there's stuff in your fridge you haven't cleared out, you come back and there's washing still in the washing machine that's gone a bit funny, um, maybe you're, you know, the house is a bit cold and chilly, you've not put the heating on or some of you might be clever and phone your house and tell that the heating's gone. You put, you've not put the lights on, so you come home and it feels a bit cold, it feels a bit um, unfriendly, doesn't it? And if we are living in our houses, living out of love, 
if we are taking that place, sometimes it can feel like that. If we've been away from God for a wee while, it can feel a bit cold. It can feel a bit unfriendly. It can smell a bit off. In verse 16 of the message, I love it. I'll read it again. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free on judgment day. So what does this love look like? And what is this love? And I'm aware that for some of us, um, our experiences of love might not be that great. We might... um, have had difficult upbringings, we might have family that have treated us badly, we might have relationships that didn't show this kind of love that we're talking about. So I'm just going to read in 1 Corinthians 13. It's often read at weddings. I know Thomas has read it as well, but I'm going to read it from the message version just because it paints a different picture sometimes, doesn't it? So you don't need to follow along, but I'll read it. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always, always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That is what love is. It's outrageous. Impossible, you might say. Well, it is. On our own strength, it is impossible. That's the point. God, we need God. That's why Jesus came. He's alongside us. We all fall. We're all, we're all fall. We're all broken. We don't get it right all the time. But to be more loving, we need to be more like God. We need more of God. It comes from him. The very being of God is love. And a cool example of that, of a love lived, a life lived in love, <laughs> is um, I found a cool story. It's a woman in China. A woman has been hailed a hero after details of her astonishing work with abandoned children. It's emerged that Lou, now 88, and suffering from kidney failure, found and raised more than 30 abandoned Chinese babies from the streets. Her youngest son is now just seven years old and was found in a dustbin by Lou when she was 82 years old. She said, even though I was already getting old, I could not simply ignore the baby and leave him to die in the trash. He looked so sweet and needy. I had to take him home with me. I took him back to our home, which is a very small, modest house in the countryside. I nursed him back to health, and now he is a thriving little boy. He's happy, he's healthy. My older children, they help look after him. We've called him Zhang. He is very special to us, and I've named him after the word which means rare and precious. The whole thing started when I first found found the first baby, a wee girl in 1972, when I was out collecting the rubbish, just lying there amongst the drunk on the street, abandoned. She would have died had we not rescued her and taken her in. Watching her grow and become strong has given us such happiness that I realised that I had the love of caring for children. I realize if we have strength enough to collect the garbage, how can we not recycle something as important as human lives? She explained, these children need love and care. They are all precious human lives. I do not understand how people can leave such a vulnerable baby on the streets. This is it. This is outrageous love. 
in action. Amazing. When we become more like Jesus, we have a heart for those around us. And it compels us to action. Love is a busy word. Love is patient. Love is kind. And you might have heard that phrase, if you need something done, give it to a busy person. Not because they have more time, but because they're in the rhythm of being obedient and being active. You see, God will use us if we're available to him. I'm preparing for an interview at the moment. Do we plug for prayer? <laughs> Sorry for the sniffing. And uh, when you prepare for an interview, you look at your application that you've written, and they are looking for evidence of what you have said. So if you say things like, I'm a good team player, I'm good at delegating, I respond well to instruction, whatever it is, um, they will, you can't just sit there and say all those things, can you? Um, you won't get away with it. They want evidence. So they might ask you things like, um, can you give us an example of a time when you have um, shown leadership skills, used your initiative, and worked a situation out within the past? So you have to wrap your brain and sort of give an example of when that happened. And it's the same for us with love. There should be evidence in our lives of a God in our hearts, a God of love who lives in us and works out of us. <coughs> we should be seeing that, using our initiative, going over and above, speaking to that person, buying that person a coffee, going the long way around. We need to stay close to God. If God is love and we are to live in love, then that points to him. We need to understand it fully. And if we're finding that difficult, we need to let that sink in and dwell on what he's done for each and every one of us, for you, for me, for the hundred, for the one. Jesus said he would have come just for the one. It's exactly the same with our relationship with God. In his presence, we will start to look different. People will see things in our lives that are different. Not that it's perfect or tidy or, you know, everything's in the right place and the whole's clean. No. Um, it will maybe look messy. Probably will look messy. Um, but there's love there. There's something different. I wonder if you've met someone and you've thought, oh, it must be a Christian. You know, that way you sometimes get like that. And you find out, oh, yes, yes, they're a Christian. I wonder why you think that. What is it about them? I wonder if it's how they love people. Often that's how it is. So we need to let God sink into our hearts the enormity of who he is and what he's done. And then we're free to love our brothers, our sisters, to pray for them, to prefer them, to correct and love, to speak life, to speak truth. So let's be a people who open the house, let's use our house, let's declutter our house regularly, let's live in the house so we can live out of love. Why don't we stand?